in the world of recovery, they talk a lot about you got to hit your bottom. And I believe there's truth in that, but I also believe there's potential to have your bottom raised till it doesn't have to be so low. Welcome to another episode of the Live Lead Last podcast. We are James and Lisa Duvall, and we are grateful that you are listening and supporting the show. So thankful for you downloading each new episode and listening to us. And we hope that you are finding each week encouraging and inspiring for you to live your best life. So this week we have Zach Mathers with us on the podcast. Zach is a new friend and his story of overcoming some major challenges in his life is powerful and we believe will be helpful. So we want you to know that we are working on a new episode where we will unpack learnings around the Enneagram. We're going to talk about types, subtypes, lines of integration, and we're going to scratch the surface of tri-types. Tri-types are made up of the highest number in the heart, highest number in the head, and highest number in the gut. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're not going to miss it. So if that all sounds confusing to you, make sure you come check out the episode. You're going to learn a lot. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. And we would love to give you an opportunity to have your questions about the Enneagram answered. So if you have a question you'd like us to address, you can DM us on Instagram or Facebook, and we will make sure to address your question during the show. Oh, and I guess we should mention that we'll be launching a huge, I mean huge, giveaway when that episode airs here in a couple weeks. So you don't want to miss it. No, you don't. I love all that. Well, James, last week there was something missing in our show. So today I think you need to give us a bit of trivia and tell us why it's a beautiful day today. See, you're coming around to my I side. I like it. Okay. I like it. Well, okay. It's a beautiful day today because it's National Gumdrop Day. But there's really not a lot of information on where this national day came from. So I'm going to throw out a couple of holidays that are legit. The first is President's Day. You know, since 1968, it's been observed on the third Monday in February. And although President's Day is a day to honor all of the U.S. presidents, most often it's associated with Presidents George Washington and Abraham Lincoln because it falls between their birthdays. It is a national holiday, so if you're a federal employee, maybe working at the post office or at the bank, hey, enjoy your day off. For the rest of us, get back to work. That's right. Today is also a beautiful day because it's the birthday of Susan B. Anthony, one of the most important females in American history. Lisa, did you know that Susan B. Anthony was born on February 15, 1820, and she was an advocate for women's right to vote and also equal rights for women. Hmm. She was instrumental in bringing about the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote. And that's why it's a beautiful day today. So gumdrop day, James, what's your favorite flavor of gumdrop? Uh, Definitely cherry. Do you know what mine is? Orange. Yes. Hey. You're the best. I know you pretty well. Okay, James, you had the opportunity to have a great conversation with our guest, Zach Mathers. He is the host of Braving the Journey podcast and a recovery coach and speaker. So let's go. Zach, welcome to the podcast and thank you for taking the time to be on with us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, James, I just want to say thank you. Thanks for thinking of me and I'm excited for what you guys are doing and the conversations you guys keep having. So, And I know that while we're recording this, it's early there in Hawaii. So I appreciate you getting up early and, and jumping on yep. too. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's always that time change adjustment where you got to, you know, I've had early, early recordings at times because I'm later in my time. So, or earlier in my time, I guess. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. But before we jump into your story, I thought we would steal a play out of your podcast format. And I was wondering, what is one thing that you're grateful for today. And if you share one, I'll share one. Oh, I like it. 
gratitude. I was off island. I wasn't on Maui for the last couple of weeks and we just got home about two days ago. And I'm really, really grateful for where I live. I just feel very, very blessed. Like last night we had a group of kind of just friends over, dinner out on the deck. It's still warm and nice. And being away reminds me of how grateful I am that I'm just, I'm so grateful that I get to live in a beautiful space that truthfully it's warm all the time. So yeah. I like it. I can resonate with that because I'm very grateful also to live in South Florida where it's t-shirts and shorts whenever you want it, even when it's winter and today's a little cool in the 60s. But I think the other thing I'm grateful for is this season with our kids. We have a son who's getting ready to, to move out and it's just been really cool to have a lot of time of connecting and being together as a family. So yeah, so I love that idea that you have on your podcast of just gratitudes and obviously gratitude is such a powerful engine in our life to actually reflect on the things that we're blessed with on a daily basis, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, gratitude has been such a powerful piece in my life because I'm like, if I get resentful, bitter, annoyed, whatever it is, that has such an effect across the board of my relationships with my wife or my kids or anyone around me. Or I can choose to shift it and be like, where do I see the gratefulness in these moments? And it just changes. It changes your mindset. So Zach, I know you have a powerful overcomer journey and story. Could you share your story and what's brought you to where you are today? I know that you run a nonprofit, but also in recovery coaching. Just love to hear some of the backstory. Yeah. So coaching is something I do now as far as working with recovery, but what got me there was I'm 37 now. My wife and I have been married 15 years. Year three into our marriage, I was a senior pastor at a church and we had done a church plant in Seattle and we're involved in that. And then we had relocated to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho and helped start a church there. I was young. You know, I'm looking back, I look at these guys that are 22 years old now and be like, that's young to be a senior pastor. And so I was pastoring a church and in my life up to that moment, anything I put my mind to, it would work out. Before pastoring, we had started another nonprofit filming documentaries, speaking up for suffering and injustice around the world. But I got into this role as a pastor and I began to believe this lie that I had to have my life all together. And so I was internally starting to struggle with just feeling the pressure of feeling like I had to know it all, have it figured out. And instead of being vulnerable with those, I began to just internally deal with them. So I'm pastoring the church and I ended up lashing out or self-sabotaging. I had an affair. It went on for a little bit and I still continued to pastor the church. So I was living this two-faced life and it destroyed me inside because it was one of those things for me that all of us have these things in our life that we say, I'll never do this ever. You know, I'll never be someone that would ever cheat on my spouse. I would never, you know, all these different, and that was one of my, that was one of my, I would never, ever, ever dream of. And I did it. And so all of a sudden I find myself going, do I even know who I am? During the journey, I, I came to a space with God where I said, I'll own up to my mistakes and be willing to take the consequences of my actions because I just can't live anymore in this. It was just turmoil and shame and I was physically sick inside. And so I came home one day and told my wife, our first son was just born. So she packed everything up and took off. I called the elders of the church and said, here's what happened. So within a 24 hour period, I lost my brand new son, my wife, my job, my community and any sense of dignity. My life erupted at that moment, but at the same time, there was a freedom. All of a sudden I was like, man, I don't have to hide anymore my struggles. I don't have to hide this. And it, it was the hardest season of my life. I mean, it was just, it was, I was depressed. I began to get in to start seeing a counselor to start working through some of this 
like, why did I choose this? Why did I self-sabotage? But all at the same time, there was so much shame still around it that I began to drink in secrecy to numb out the pain, to allow that shame to just be quiet for just a minute. But at the same time, I was working really hard on all other parts to regain the trust of my wife. And long story short, through a long series, she said she was willing to stay in and fight for this. She's a strong, amazing woman that only by God's grace would she said she was willing to stay and, and, and work on this thing. And so we began to work on it. But through that whole kind of long series of time, our marriage started getting better. I transitioned work. You know, life was good, but I still dealt with shame of the affair. I just wasn't able to receive forgiveness for it and wasn't able to process it. So I'm, I'm talking like eight years. I, wow. I carried this shame with me and drinking was a thing that would come up and down in different seasons of my life where I would drink and hide it for a season of time and then say, I'm going to stop and stop. And then I started going to like AA meetings. I went to an outpatient treatment program. I got serious about it and said, you know, but it took me many years to be able to admit I even had a drinking problem because that was another thing for me on the dockets of, oh, now I'm a guy that has a fair and I'm the guy that's an alcoholic. And it took me a while to get to a space where I was really okay with that. You know, if you would have asked me four years ago to share my story, I wouldn't have told you about my drinking. I wouldn't have told you about the affair. I just wasn't at a space. I still carried shame with it. It still was wrapped into my identity and who I was. Yeah. So that shifted. And now I feel free to get to use it to help others know that they're not alone in the process. Because, you know, I believe what happens is we're all humans. We struggle with something at some point, sometime in our life. Our tendency in that is to, instead of move towards community, we have a tendency to move towards isolation and believe this lie that we're the only ones that struggle. Yeah. And so if I can at all be a voice to at least one person that goes, hey, you're not alone. You're not the only one and help them move towards others instead of away. You know, that's that's my desire and hope. My wife, Lisa, and I have the opportunity to work in the marriage space. What you just said there, you know, the idea of isolation compared to com- community. We see it all the time when couples start getting in trouble or having issues. They they feel like they're the only people with the issues. And so they isolate themselves instead of leaning in the community, knowing that there's other people who have struggled. So that journey after the affair, your wife saying, hey, we're going to fight for this. Obviously, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. Were there some specific things that you guys did together to overcome the hurt, the affair, the sense of trust? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't this, oh, let's work on it and we're better. You know, it was a long journey. We were separated for about six months. I was seeing a counselor and she at one point said, hey, I'm willing to see the counselor with you. That's where we started. And I I am so grateful, to be honest, that text messaging wasn't a huge thing there. I mean, it, it was there, but I just didn't feel like it was as prevalent as today. So like our conversations really existed in person or with a counselor counselor at the beginning, which I think saved us a lot because I see people that go through this and there's so much misinterpretation when they're trying to communicate through a different form like text or whatever. We got into amazing, phenomenal counselor. I think he really helped us shift. And then we slowly progressed. And I, I would contribute some of it to my son. I think if he hadn't been just born, there would have been a little bit less desire for her to fight for it. You know, and I look now and I'm like, man, we were 15 years married and I love my marriage. We have such a phenomenal time together. We got three kids now and it's one of those things where we both go, man, I wish I never had to go through what we did. But at the same time, the way that we got to go through it and really dive into learning how to communicate, be married, connect and just such deep 
different levels, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the fact that my marriage is where it is. One of the things I remember my wife, and I think for people that face this in their life or face something very difficult within their marriage, I remember one of the statements she told me, she said, you know, I think the church has a tendency to hear this idea of forgiveness and that it's like a one-time event that I forgive you, it's over and I'm done. She goes, I don't see it that way. She goes, I have to choose daily to wake up and bring this to God and say, I need your help for me to forgive my husband today. Wow. That's all I got is today. I learned so much because it was a process. There was days where she would forgive me better than others at the beginning. And there was moments where I could see it. And there was moments where she would take it back and struggle through it. And over time, that forgiveness didn't have to become such a process of her on a daily thing, having to wake up and choose to. But there was a season where it was that choice. And I had to stay humble. I had to let her go through those emotions of I'm angry at you today. And I just don't want to even see you. And I had to be okay with that. At the beginning, I would pursue her and try to show her that I love her and care for her and had to be okay with being rejected over and over again. Yeah. You know, because it was it was a process that she had to go through and I had to go through. And it's something I, I wish upon nobody. Yeah. But at the same time, I know it happens a lot. Well, at the same time, you were dealing with your own shame and trying to figure out mm-hmm. your identity. So were there some factors or steps, specific things that you did that you went through the step out of living in this sense of shame and learning to live into your true identity? Yeah. So I mean, shame was like an onion where I, I would peel some part of it back and I would think, oh, I'm done with I'm done with the shame I carry over the affair or the shame I have attached to being an alcoholic. And then life would be gone. I felt like I worked through it. And then all of a sudden, a new part of it would arise. And I'd be like, hmm, what is that? Quite a few years ago, I was at a conference event that real small group of us were doing here on Maui. It was kind of centered around our identity. One of the questions that was asked of us was, what lie do I believe about myself? One of the things that in this process I I really began to do was learn how to hear God's voice. Mm -hmm. And what I've discovered with people is even if you don't believe in, in God, you can adjust that to beginning to learn to listen to this voice of love that's inside of you, because I believe God's inside all of us, even if you don't want to believe in him or not. So what I began to do was just begin to go, how do I begin to hear God's voice inside of me? And what does he have to say? So I would ask the simple question of God, what are the lies I believe right now? What are the lies I believe about myself? And I would just listen. The biggest one I think I held on to was that somehow I was disqualified because I screwed up too big to have a voice anymore in the world. That was the central lie that kind of centered around everything for me. And then when I began to ask the question, what do you want me to know about that? What what do you want me to know about this lie? It began to replace the lie with the truth. And, and the truth for me became, no, I'm, I'm loved. I'm forgiven. I'm worthy. And I have a voice still. So for me, my identity began to be able to shine through and no longer be attached to the affair or the struggle with alcohol. My identity got to be like, no, who does God say I am? Not what does the world say I am? Not to what my past actions say I am? Not to what I even say I am myself, which is simple but who does God say I am? For me, it's never been a one-time, that's a process. I can wake up any day and revert back to this spot of feeling shame, feeling guilty, feeling I'm not worthy. And I have to choose to go, okay, that's not truth. What is truth? God, show me what your truth is and remind me who I am. And when I can live in that space of just being reminded, God goes, hey, this is who you are to me. You know, Then I have the freedom to get to step into that. But I think for so many years, I just believed a lie that I somehow am disqualified from having a voice or an impact or any anything to do with. But part of me knew that was my identity. That was yeah. that was part of who I am. 
That's really good. Yeah. I think sometimes we can live with failure and feel like that's where we need to stay. One of my favorite statements is that failure is a bruise, not a tattoo. And sometimes Mm. we allow our past or our failure to feel like it has to be imprinted on us instead of allowing it to be part of our history, but it doesn't have to determine our destiny of where we're going. I love those things you said of just asking questions and then finding the truth behind the lie. An interesting distinction of where Lisa and I live here in South Florida is the fact that it's actually called the recovery capital of the world. Oh, really? Yeah, with the combination of the favorable climate and also just top quality rehab facilities. So we get to interact through our work at church with a lot of really great men and women who are in the recovery process. I'm interested to hear about what you do as a recovery coach. So can you talk a little bit about your process of helping men and women who are trying to overcome addiction or coming out of that lifestyle? Yeah. The person that I choose to focus and work with is somebody that is struggling with alcohol, but maybe it hasn't destroyed their life completely yet. They haven't hit this like lost their marriage, lost their job, lost their house, they're homeless on the street. Because through my recovery journey, I found there was two things like you either could go to an AA or you could go to a treatment center, but there was really this no in between. You know, and the church has offered a celebrate recovery program, which is very similar, like 12 step process. But what I found was there's a lot of people that at the beginning wouldn't walk through the doors of AA and wouldn't take the time out of their life to actually go to a treatment center, but they would simply say, yeah, I know I abuse alcohol or yeah, I know I have a problem with it, but it's not that bad yet. Mm-hmm. And so those are my people that I'm after. Those are the people that may not go to AA right off the bat or not go to a treatment center, but they'll, they'll be willing to see, have a coach yeah. because a coach kind of looks a little different at that point. And I think there is that middle gap that needs to be filled, you know, and from my own personal journey, I go to AA still. And my wife and I are really involved in our celebrate recovery program within our church. And those are key elements to my recovery. I went to an outpatient treatment program. Like I've experienced both and I find value in every single one of them. So what coaching though does for me is coaching, basically I pair up next to someone and say, Hey, listen, you're not going to have to walk this alone anymore. You have somebody that bounce off all the crazy ideas that are going on in your head. And what we really begin with for me is like we talked about earlier is helping people step out of a place of shame and into a place of understanding their identity. Because if we can't move to knowing who we are, we're going to just stay stuck. You know, we're going to stay stuck in our whatever addiction it may be. We're going to stay into that because honestly, it sometimes feels more comfortable. And so the beginning process for me, so coaching kind of looks like one-on-one Zoom sessions weekly, and then there's availability to send texts each day connecting that way. And then I'm connecting with them through email. So there's multiple connection points, but the the main meat of everything happens in those one-on-one sessions. And in those sessions, we're just diving through the process of coming back to the root of it. Like, where did it start? Why? What was it that led you to go drinking's a good idea and over drinking is and it helps numb something? What is that? And then we begin to explore that and then move forward from there going, okay, let's discover that and who you are. And then really a lot of it is about really small, small, tangible steps that we could take. And that's what's so funny for me. I'm such an all or nothing person. I'm like, just go big. Like everything, just take it, you know, it's a large scale. So for me to have to have learned a shift to like, No, it's more about the super small steps that compound over a series of time in my lifetime that I'll be able to look back when I'm 80, 90 years old and go, look at the legacy I left. I mean, even one of the exercises I do is I have them at the very beginning, I, I have them basically say, this is your funeral and I want you to write out what you want your kids to say about you. 
what you want your coworkers to say about you, what you want your wife or husband to say about you. And so at your funeral, what are these words that people are saying about you? And we, we write that out and then we reverse engineer it and go, how do we get there? How do we get to be that person at the end of your life you say is loving, caring, compassionate, generous, all these things. Like how do we move to today for a really small step to get to that spot? That's so good. Yeah, I yeah. love that idea of the compound effect. I mean, in any area of life, but that's those small, smart steps, those small steps that actually accumulate over time and make a huge difference. Do you find that there are people like yourself that are hiding addiction? Is that somebody who would resonate with your coaching? Is yeah. somebody who may be trying to figure out, like, I'm going to say this right, man, I don't want to come out right now because of how much that would cost me? Mm. But having a coach that could process through, do you, do you find that a lot with people? Yeah, I do. And I think I find that a lot. And I think it's okay to be where you're at. You know, when we talk about vulnerability, vulnerability with others can only happen when it first happens with ourselves. Meaning that I have to learn how to be vulnerable enough to tell myself that, yeah, I'm an alcoholic and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm going to be, I'm going to be vulnerable enough to be aware of that. If I can't even do that internally on myself, there's no way I can go do that with other people. There's a lot of people that aren't even willing to be that vulnerable with themselves yet. And so I think a lot of times that that's the starting point, you know, that's where the resistance to walk in the rooms of AA or to go to a treatment center because they're going, I don't, I don't no, that's not me. But what I do know about any addiction is you become a slave to it. And no matter what it is, you'll slowly go down, down, down where it'll begin to own more and more of your life. Yeah. In the world of recovery, they talk a lot about you got to hit your bottom. And I believe there's truth in that, but I also believe there's potential to have your bottom raised till it doesn't have to be so low. You know, but that also that just takes being aware. That takes being mindful of going, okay, and and being vulnerable enough to tell yourself that I do have a problem. So you have a podcast called Brave in the Journey, and I've listened to several episodes in preparation for this conversation. Yeah. And I really enjoy it. Can you tell us a little bit about the podcast and what you're looking to accomplish with it? Yeah. You know, I think for me, the heart of it started out of this idea that, like we said earlier, like when we go through any struggles, we we move towards isolation versus community. And so the Braving the Journey originated out of this idea that I want a space that people can be honest and vulnerable and real and that others can hear their story and go, whoa, I'm not alone. And that becomes the first step. That becomes the first awareness of going, I'm not alone. And then I began to want to implement other resources. Like I have a lot of counselors or specialists on. So when they maybe hear I'm not alone in in my struggle of addiction, then they get to hear somebody talk about it and they go, oh, here's the steps I could begin to take. So that's been the heart behind the starting of Braving the Journey. I have taken a shift towards more focused on a lot of my guests are coming out of a space of recovery or addiction or you know just putting a heavy focus on that this next year. That's awesome. How often does the podcast have new episodes? So I'm like you, every Monday. Okay. So every Monday I have a guest episode. I started doing these things called Quick Thought Thursdays okay, because I like catchy phrases and yeah. names. And so that was me just getting a moment to vent, talk about whatever topics on my heart that week. But I've been very inconsistent. So it's more <laughs> More like quick thought Thursdays every fourth Thursday. You know? I'll tell you what, I talk to podcasters all the time. Podcasting, man, it's a it's a beast that always needs to be fed and takes a lot to pull it off. Yeah, I think listeners would really enjoy your podcast and really encourage our listeners to go give it a listen. It's really cool. And I'll put the I'll put the link to it in the show notes. We always like to close our conversations with guests by doing some random questions. So would you be up for a few would you rather questions? Absolutely. Okay. These have nothing to do with anything we've talked about. They're super random and you'll 
see how you think about these. So here's the first one. Would you rather karaoke with an Elvis or Kanye West song? Kanye West. Okay. You're Kanye. Just don't do the Chick-fil-A song. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> you can probably relate to this one living in beautiful Hawaii. Would you rather have to outrun an active volcano or outrun a tsunami making landfall? I think I would go for the tsunami. The active volcano may be slower, but there's something about the idea that I think maybe I could survive a wave better than, than lava. You could probably swim more than walk on fire, right? Yeah, that's, at least that's in my head. It probably wouldn't work out that way. But yeah, I think my first thought was like the volcano because it's slow, but yeah I, yeah, I don't know. So, okay, would you rather drive a creepy ice cream truck or the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile everywhere you go? Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. Yeah, and I would probably make sure the, the the song continually plays as a, as I drive. So, <laughs> yeah, you hit, would you have your surfboard on top? Yeah, it's, I mean, to me, I'm like it's a it's a functional car. It's long, you know. You could store a lot in it. So that's true. Okay, here's a little bit more serious one. Would you rather have more aha moments or more butterfly in the stomach moments? Mm, that's a good question. I want both. You can only have one. I can only get one. I think aha moments. I'm an aha person. I'm a dreamer. Okay. Okay. That's good. This last one's, I'm interested to hear what you'd say because I have my own opinion on this. Okay. Would you rather have breakfast for dinner or pizza for breakfast every day for a year? Do I get to choose what the breakfast is for dinner or is it just... Yeah, there's no... There's no okay. Yeah. I, I would do probably breakfast for dinner because I am like a breakfast burrito fanatic. Okay. And so if I could have that for breakfast and dinner, I'd be fine. Yeah, the parameters on that were open. So for me, if I could change breakfast every yeah. day for dinner, then it makes That's it better a new than meal. pizza, right? Every yeah, every time, exactly. Except for, I don't know. My wife might probably go pizza because she's like she's like the lady that can make a pizza decked out in a thousand different ways. You know? Yeah. So, so you have a lot of options there too. Yeah, Zach, this has been really great. If listeners wanted to learn more about you, where would you send them to connect with you online? Braving the Journey, all across the board. You can go find me at Braving the Journey Instagram, Facebook, just bravingthejourney.com is the website. I'm hoping within the next month to have a 30-day sobriety challenge out there where people can just sign up. You get a video series process with me as we walk through. For me, it's an intro for people to maybe they're like, mm, I don't know if I have a drinking problem. It'd be a good place to start. And so I'm hoping that'll be launched on and you'll be able to find that across all the media platforms also. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm going to put all those in the show notes as well. Man, I really appreciate our time and I look forward to following your journey and seeing what God continues to do through you. And maybe down the road, we can connect again on the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, James, thank you. And thank you guys for what you guys do. I think it's, I think more and more, the, the more that these conversations can keep happening, you know, at all different platforms and you guys have a different reach of audience and I have a different reach. And, but the more that we keep creating space to talk about things that are meaningful and, and important, I think it's important. So thanks for what you guys do. That's so cool. I love hearing stories of people who have overcome adversity and even their own bad choices to take the lessons they learned and apply them to their life moving forward. Thank you, Zach, so much for your vulnerability to share with us. And it's really cool how you are investing in other people's journeys to freedom and recovery. Yeah, it really is great. And I would encourage everyone to check out Zach's podcast, Braving the Journey. It's really a good show. Also, if you know someone struggling with addiction or the shame of their past, would you do them a favor and send them a link to this episode. Mm. It's an easy way to encourage someone that you love. So I'm really excited about next week's show. We are privileged to have one of our favorite people in the world on the podcast. That's not an exaggeration, is it, James? No, in the world. Not. In the world. A man who has tremendously impacted our lives through his leadership and influence, Tom Mullins, the founding pastor of Christ Fellowship Church. We affectionately call him the coach. You do not want to miss it.
Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. Coach is a ton of fun, and you're going to really enjoy that interview. As we wrap up, we want to remind you that you can find the show notes to this and every show at www.livedleadlast.com. And you can text the word LIVE, L-I-V-E, to the number 22454 to get new episodes, show notes, bonus content, and exclusive offers delivered directly to your inbox each week. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Live Lead Last Podcast. And you can always DM us your comments, questions, and feedback. We really do love hearing from you. We want to invite you to join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Live Lead Last. And to let you know that we have a YouTube channel where you can listen to podcast episodes as well. Finally, we want to encourage you to lead your life and leverage your influence today in a way that leaves a legacy you want tomorrow. Until next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.